Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness. That was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Samantha Praviti. On today's episode of 21 Questions, I am so happy to be joined by the one and only Nick Costos, who is a sports betting host on You Better You Bet and WFAN 669, who you can find on Twitter at The Costos. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex, Nick. How was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was awesome. Swept the board, went 3-0 on Thanksgiving, which is awesome. That'll be uh, something to look back at fondly on 2021 Thanksgiving. Then ate myself silly for like four days and now ready to get back in the grind. Great to be on the show with you. Thank you so much for coming in this super, super busy time. I also went 3-0 on bets uh, on Thanksgiving and then did absolutely terrible on the Sunday slate. So things happen. I went 11-4 and against the spread last week. So uh, got to be some balance in the world, right? Um, Definitely. Your G-men picked up a win, which is exciting. Uh, any thoughts about that and Jason Garrett getting uh, ousted? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about the Giants now. I think Giants fans are celebrating because they won the game yesterday against the Eagles and always good to beat the Eagles, even though you know, Jalen Rager drops the pass at the end and they, they win the game, obviously, on the goal line there. Uh, I'm still worried, though. Um, I know Dave Gettleman, the report was for me and Rappaport of NFL Network on Sunday, was that Gettleman's going to be gone at season's end, whether the Giants kind of nudge him out or whether he retires. But uh, they're either going to hire an in-house candidate or like give Joe Judge full reign of the organization. And to <laughs> me, that's a major step backwards. Like I really feel like they're like, closer to the beginning of like this dark period than they are the end of it. If that's what they're going to do, because I don't think Joe judge has what it takes. I kind of think he's a loser head coach with how conservative he coaches. Um, and I don't know what he's done to like earn getting full autonomy over an organization. So yeah, great. Nice win yesterday. Always good to beat the Eagles. Also I have no faith in the uh, direction of the franchise moving forward. Fair enough. Um, well, I literally know you from your time at CBS and your time on various podcasts there as more of a sports betting personality. But of course, I have to ask you some fantasy questions. So let us just hop right in. What year did you start playing fantasy and did you win your first league? Well, yeah, I, I started playing. That's actually a great story for you. I um I started playing fantasy in like the mid 90s. Um, my grandfather 
He's a big football fan. God rest his soul. Um, and he had a book on his bookshelf in Great Neck, New York and Long Island. And the author is Cliff Charpentier. It's like Car- Carpentier with an I, ah, but with an H, C-H, um, who I think is one of like the original fantasy football writers. And it was the 1989, literally, you can actually like Google this and find this, the 1989 Fantasy Football Digest, Greg Bell running back for the Los Angeles Rams in the late 80s is on the cover. So if you Google like Cliff Charpentier, like 1989, like this, this book will come up. And it was basically like his fantasy football guide. It was like the precursor at all, like fantasy football ranking magazines. And in the back of the book, it detailed his season like that year. And I think he stacked like Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. Like this is literally in like 1989. And it was detailing like week by week what the results were, who performed well, who led him to win, who didn't, his playoffs, et cetera. So I kind of read this and I was like, well, like I love football. It's like a young kid. So I remember I went out on my godfather's boat with my dad and my grandfather and I basically made them do like a fantasy football draft. It was like four of us. And like, I remember I took like Dan Marino in the first round. So pretty stupid taking a quarterback in the first round. I was like 11. Um, and I, I don't think I ended up like keeping stats that entire season. But uh, that was like when I first started getting into it, it was in the mid 90s. And then, yeah, I think, you know, basically started playing baseball right after that. And yeah, been, I've, I've been playing fantasy for like probably 25 years at this point now. So, yeah, I've been in maybe even a little more than that. So since the 90s, I would say I've been super into it. That is incredible. I don't know how old you are, but of course, that sounds like a large percentage of your life. So I'm 38. So, yeah, it's, it's a well, well over half my life. Uh, no, I, that's that's a super cool and very wholesome story. Uh, and hey, there are grown people to this day in the year of our Lord 2021 taking quarterbacks in the first round. So <laughs> definitely do not blame little Nick Costas. Um, what are the best and worst parts about playing fantasy football for you? Um, well, I think I'm actually I'm old enough now where like the worst parts don't bother me anymore. Um, I mean, I used to just till I mean, I, and I might say used to. I mean, like even like two years ago, just like really. And who knows if I get to like the playoffs this year and some least I really care about and I like lose in devastating fashion, I'm going to be really upset. Um, yeah, I think like tilting tilting losses is probably the worst. Um, and it's also like the acceptance. It's like kind of like very like, it's like an allegory for life. It's like being able to let go of the things you don't have control over and just like whatever is, is, which sucks, right? Because like you want to win because it's fun, but like all you can do is like set the best lineup. And then like, whatever happens, happens. Like you can't control, you know, I, I, I had Arian Foster and I don't know, this was, it had to have been like 2011, 2012 or 2013 because of where I lived at the time. And he literally got hurt in week 16, like early on in like the first quarter of the Texans game that week. And he was like my first round pick. He was like the best player in fantasy that year. It's like, you're done. Like you lose, like you lose when that happens. Like you cannot win. So when things like that happen, fantasy can just be completely maddening. And like the acceptance that it's just like kind of a luck-based deal. Um, you know, like I think getting to the playoffs takes skill and winning a championship, you need a lot of luck. Um, that's the most frustrating part of fantasy. Um, the best part of fantasy, I, I kind of enjoy like the grind, the roster churning at the bottom, trying to find like hidden gems like Deontay Foreman, like kind of before they pop. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really, I really love it. Um, and besides for like the tilting, I kind of like, I love everything about it. Like the process that goes into it, the research that goes into it, kind of projecting what players are going to do, like your own subjectivity that goes into it. Uh, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like God's perfect game. Honestly, it's, it's pretty fantastic. I love that. Yeah. The roller coaster, obviously super, super maddening at its nadirs when you 
like me, you know, should have started Kendrick Bourne over Christian McCaffrey in one league. Like, obviously, that was obviously just like frustrating things like that when people pop off on your bench and you feel like you made bad roster decisions. But it obviously makes the highs even better. And especially as a person that started watching football kind of like in an unorthodox way, I don't really have as much of a team allegiance because my family isn't they're not really sports fans so uh, it's it's definitely made me more engaged to games just because like why would I care about some crappy Texans Dolphins game or something like that oh I've got three players in this game so it makes almost every game super watchable very similar to the way that legalized betting does all right Jumping into the actual football stuff, we're going to kick it off with a quick segment called the burn book, which is of course a mean girls reference. So as fantasy managers, it's so easy to have recency bias, especially if a player has burned us either due to injuries or a bad week. So I'm going to run through five players and I'd like you to briefly tell us how confident you are in that player moving forward or if they are in your burn book. So our first player is Cam Newton. Big oof. Uh, He finished as QB5 last week for fantasy in his first NFL start. This week, uh, completed five of 21 attempts for 92 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions, about a QBR of five. He did find the end zone on the ground, but eight fantasy points just isn't going to cut it. Uh, He was definitely being spoken about as a streamer, kind of fringe QB1, just due to the rushing. But are we kind of burning him out of that tier and putting him in that QB2 tier? Well, I mean, I kind of I love Cam because I have Lamar in like my my big league last week, and when Lamar went out was out with his illness against the Bears, I picked up Cam, and he absolutely crushed for me. Um, so I, I do start Cam in one league, like I'm in a super deep, like very deep, like 14 team league, and I picked up Cam like literally like a minute after he signed with the Panthers. I had this like ran and like and picked him up, and because I I had Darnold in that league, I've been sitting on Trey Lance, and like he obviously hasn't played, so that was been a huge disappointment. I picked up Taysom Hill, who hasn't played, which is weird. I hope that I've got Taysom in a couple like really. Deep deep leagues. I would like for him to start anyway. The question's about Cam. Um, I feel like as long as they're going to start him, um, the Panthers are heading into their bye. So, and then they come back and they play the Falcons. So I think we'll see like, is they're going to turn to PJ Walker? Is Sam Darnold going to be healthy? I think Cam's probably going to play. And I feel like if Cam's going to play, he's going to play it against Atlanta. I feel like he's probably going to have a pretty good game. So like, we'll see. Um, I'm not starting him over like really good options. He'd be like a, like a bye fill in an injury fill in like he was for me when Lamar had the illness. But um, yeah, I feel like if he's going to start against Atlanta, I think he, he, he deserves to be, he deserves to be rostered and, and, and played in 12 team leagues for sure. So uh, not burning Cam Newton just yet because of the matchup. Like he's, he, he's always a threat to run for a couple touchdowns. And also like the Dolphins defense is kind of like rediscover something here with Brian Flores and like the secondary healthy. So I think maybe we can chalk it up to that. We'll see how the giants do against the Dolphins this week. Yeah, he was someone that I was telling people to start because uh, just on paper, this, the Dolphins had been pretty bad against fantasy quarterbacks, but I do think recently they have been better. And Cam Newton is just going to have those games. Like, I think you had to have have that expectation going it's into not good. it. He's going to have games where there are kind of a little bit of explosions. So uh, hopefully he is not burned for the rest of the season. All right. And the next guy we want to talk about is Cortland Sutton. He has seriously struggled since returning from injured reserve. Uh, sorry, sorry. Since uh, Jerry Judy returned from injured reserve um, through the first seven games of the season, Sutton was wide receiver 17 and half PPR since week eight. He's wide receiver 95. Ouch. Uh, he caught two of three targets this week for 17 yards against the chargers. Are we burning Sutton for fantasy? 
Um, I don't think we are just yet for me, at least. Um, I think we look back like um, like the two games where Judy's really been healthy or like the, the game before the bye against the Eagles. Um, and then, of course, um, yesterday's game against the Chargers, where no one really had production in the passing game because Denver was really able to just dominate defensively and keep the keep the game on the ground with Javante Williams and Mike and Melvin Gordon. So I, I kind of like Judy had a bad game yesterday, too. I love Judy in the game yesterday. It is what it is. Three for 25 for Judy Sutton, two for 17. But against the Eagles, you know, their boundary cornerbacks are good with Darius Slay and company. And I think the way you kind of beat the Eagles is, you know, they you beat them over the middle of the field, whether it's, you know, slot receivers, inside receivers or tight ends with the de-emphasis they put on off ball linebackers and safety. So I, I think the Eagles matchup is one where we can look at it and say, okay, like it's not like his quarterback is great also. And like Teddy's okay, but I mean, he's not a great, great quarterback in the NFL. So I think we can kind of look at that and say, okay, maybe just a bad matchup for Sutton there against a team that doesn't allow a ton of production on the perimeter. And then yesterday, no one on Denver had that good production. So yeah, it's concerning. It's annoying for sure. If you're starting Sutton, but I mean, they're in Kansas city at Arrowhead on Sunday night. And I think the chiefs are going to put up a big number on them and Denver is going to have to score. So I wouldn't shy away from starting Portland Sutton on Sunday night, just because he had the bad game yesterday. Yeah. And Jerry Judy also had the bad game. And I know you told me before this that you are a big fan of his. What is your outlook on him? That's just a bonus question. Yeah. I mean, like, I think like he should be awesome. Like he is awesome. Like, are they going to be able to get him the ball? Um, you know, he had nine targets against the Eagles. And I like to think that's going to be more in line kind of with what Denver's going to have to do. And like in games where, where Denver's going to be trailing or like a negative game script, I think it's like the Jerry Judy show. I think he's going to be absolutely awesome. So, you know, they're 10 point dogs coming up uh, an arrowhead. Um, on Sunday night. And I think this should be a big time Jerry Judy game. I just think his talent is going to win out also. Um, I'm not saying he's, he's like more than a wide receiver three, but I do think he's like I, in my, in my most competitive league, he is my wide receiver three, like locked in for the rest of the season. So hopefully he ends up working out. Fair enough. Yeah. It's always frustrating with those guys that, you know, the talent is there and it's sky high and they are limited by either a system or a quarterback. So hopefully they can turn things around. All right. Uh, the next guy we want to talk about maybe another similar situation is Devonta Smith. He was out targeted by Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins this week, caught two of four targets for 22 yards. Part of the blame has to rest with Jalen Hurts, who had a QBR of 17.3 after tossing zero touchdowns and three interceptions. So maybe this is not his fault, but maybe it's trusting any Eagles player at this point. Uh, so how do you feel about Smith rest of season? Yeah, I, I think I still like Devonte Smith. Uh, I don't know that he's anything more than like a wide receiver three moving forward, but I mean, I, I don't think you can trust Quez Watkins or Jalen Rager or put a lot of stock into them. Maybe potentially having better games than Devonte Smith against the giants runs into James Bradbury. Jalen hurts. Didn't have a great game. I think Smith is definitely like, unless you're in a 10 team league and you've got a lot better options, I feel like Devonte is a really good wide receiver three or even a flex option. So nah, I'm not willing to put Devonte Smith in the old burn book just yet. Fair enough. He is definitely that the, the talent is there and it just stinks that he is on the Eagles, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. The next guy we're going to talk about, I had to throw in at least one Giants player is okay. Saquon Barkley. I get it. He had a down week last week against the Buccaneers, but had a much easier matchup this week and didn't deliver 13 carries for 40 yards and caught four passes for 13 yards. Do we think this ankle injury will improve and maybe like the change at OC will help or are we burning Barkley as a trustworthy RB2 this year? Well, I think like the problem is like if you've got him, like you have to play him. So like, 
I, I know what you're saying. It's almost like, do you trust him or not? But then like, also like you have to play him every single week. So in one league, I, I traded or a league where we keep a couple of players. I traded a third round pick in next year's draft and Devonte Freeman for Saquon um, in a league where I also have Nick Chubb and AJ Dillon, because like, I, I don't know if Dillon's going to be like the guy moving forward, obviously with Aaron Jones back. So I needed another running back. So I'm like, let me roll the dice with Saquon here. And I, th- I think I, bought a little low at the third rounder, given that he was drafted at the end of the first round or early second. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Um, if you want to put stock in the injury report, um, then I think it's okay to say that he's still not 100% healthy, given that he was questionable for this game, in addition to being questionable against the Bucks. So, you know, I think we'll see leading up to the game against Miami. I mean, is he going to be off the injury report? Like, is he going to be listed questionable? Will he be listed probable? You know, how is he going to practice limited fashion or full? So I think maybe we can look to that and kind of like use that as a guide, because look, I mean, I'm well on record saying, I think like the draft pick was insane to draft Saquon second overall, but he's a good player. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if like, I, I have like an immense trust factor in him now, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting him. Like I'm not sitting Saquon Barkley. So I'm I'm, kind of, I'm kind of locked in at this point. Pretty tough to sit him. And I happen to remember that draft night, uh, watching the draft and really on the side, watching your Twitter feed, where I think you said you wanted to drink bleach. And then the the rant ended with like, at least the Yankees are healthy, which they definitely were not. Um, Was that, was that, was that might've been the Daniel Jones draft all? I I mean, I kind of feel this way about about so many of their drafts recently, but yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. The last guy we're going to talk about in this segment is Kyle Pitts. He's a guy that I pumped up a lot this preseason, but he had another dud of a game caught to six targets for 26 yards. It's his fifth straight performance with fewer than nine fantasy points and half PPR. Are we burning Pitts as a locked in tight end one? I mean, for as long as Calvin Ridley's not there, it's kind of really hard to trust him because it's they have no one else. Like, who are you going to game plan to stop Russell Gage, Olamide Zacchaeus? Um, Cordero Patterson being there helps a little bit, but he's a running back, you know, and that I'm not saying that derisively. It's just like, he's not, he's not running, running pass routes, really he's a running back. Um, so yeah, if you're a, an opposing defensive coordinator, like why wouldn't your game plan be like, let, let's take the one good pass catcher out of the equation. Why wouldn't that be what you do? So, I mean, for as long as I, I if you drafted Kyle Pitts, like I did, and like, I loved him also. Like, I thought he was going to be a monster. So I feel like we're, we are not alone in that take also. Like, how could you not love Kyle Pitts? But the thought was, was that Calvin Ridley was going to be there. Take a lot of the pressure off of him. And Ridley's not there. So, I mean, I, I don't think I'm ever sitting Kyle Pitts because like, uh, it's not like Travis Kelsey's out there on the waiver wire, you know, like that's, that's not a thing that's happening. So I, I don't think I'm ever sitting him, but yeah, he's, he's hard to trust. Like it's, I feel like if this were in a different position, like he might, he might be in the burn book right now, not because he's not great, but because like they've got no one else. And I think they're really easy to stop. So hopefully, you know, I've look Calvin Ridley, obviously dealing with mental health issues. So obviously um, we hope that he's able to get, you know, get better and feel better and get back on the field sooner rather than later and feel better about things in life. Um, so, so it's for him. And also of course for the Falcons and for fantasy football players selfishly um, because Pitts owners need Calvin Ridley back. And so do Ridley owners, but obviously the, you know, the, uh, the important thing is that he gets better. Absolutely. It, this offense looks so dysfunctional. I saw Matt Ryan throw one of the worst passes I think I've ever seen, uh, this season. So, and there's a lot of competition for that. So a lot of things are not working on that team right now, but hopefully, uh, that does not come at Pitt's expense for the rest of the season. All right. That'll do it for the burn book. Our next quick segment, which we'll try to run through very quickly is called Full send or that's cap, which is sort of the opposite of that one. So full send means like you are going for it. You love this person. And then that's cap means like a 
it's not real. Uh, so I'm, I'm really five- old. I'm really old. So like, I'm not like up on like these like expressions. So that was good that you gave me like that little, I've, I've seen like no cap on like Instagram and I have <laughs> no idea what it means. So, okay. So now that I know, means right? like crap, like not, yeah. Like the yes. So I'm going to give you five players whose values are on the rise. And I want to know if you're sending it on this player or if it's cap. So the okay. first player we're going to talk about is Mac Jones. I for one did not have Mac Jones being the best QP out of this class on my 2021 bingo card, but wow. Um, obviously I don't mean that from a necessarily a talent standpoint or anything like that, but he has looked pretty good. I mean, posted his best game of the season against the Titans this week, 23 of 32 for 310 yards, two touchdowns and zero interceptions. Are we sending it on Jones as a viable streaming quarterback or is trusting kind of any of the rookie quarterbacks this year cap? Yeah, I, I don't know if you can really trust any of them on, on a week-to-week basis. Like, I wish that we could kind of trust Justin Fields. Like, I wish we could try trust Trey Lance. But, like, those are the two guys that I was kind of, like, really exposed to. And, like, I don't, I don't really think we can trust either of them. Now, you know, kind of looking at the Patriots schedule coming up here, you know, they obviously are um, – they, they play the – they're in Buffalo coming up on Monday night. Then they're at the Colts. Then they host Buffalo. Then they have a decent matchup against the uh, against the Jaguars, and then they go to Miami. Um, so what Jacksonville, I guess, would be Week 17, right? So that's that would be the Fantasy Super Bowl this year. So I mean, I guess you could maybe trust him there in the Fantasy Super Bowl. But I mean, are you really going to trust Mac Jones in the in the Fantasy Super Bowl? Like, I'm I'm not going to. But Jacksonville's got a pretty good run defense, so I mean, it could stand to reason that the Patriots just going to throw it on them. But until then, I mean, I. Tredavious White being out is a big deal for Buffalo with the torn ACL, but it's not like the Patriots have like a true alpha number one receiver. Um, so it's like, what are we going to do with Tredavious White? Put him on like Jacoby Myers or like Nelson Aguilar. So I don't know that like it really hurts them in this instance more than it would against other teams. But I mean, I, it's hard to trust Mac against the Colts, a rookie quarterback against that zone defense. Like Tom Brady picks that defense apart. Can Mac Jones? Not sure. Two games coming up against the Bills. Yeah, I, I think we're, is it cap or no cap? I would say you know, like no cap. cap or yeah. yeah, a cap on Mac Jones. Fair enough. Yeah, it's it's going to definitely be tough to trust him because even in previous games where he looked good on the field, he wasn't putting up a ton of yardage or even a lot of touchdowns. So it's not it's it's one of those things that he is a at least decent NFL quarterback, but not reliable for fantasy production week to week. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Odell Beckham Jr. He tied Cooper Cup with 10 targets, caught five passes for 81 yards and a touchdown with Robert Woods done for the season. Are we going full send on OBJ as a viable wide receiver too, or is that cap? Yeah, I would say more like full send on, on OBJ is like a wide receiver three or like a flex, I would say. I don't know if I feel good about him as a wide receiver two. I mean, it was worth noting they were trailing in the game. So obviously Stafford's throwing on every play, um, which helps Beckham get to the 10 targets. He also had the long touchdown. I mean, I did bet his yards over prop yesterday. I, I do think kind of like as the season goes on and he gets more practice reps under his belt, like I, I, I do think he's a quality like wide receiver three. I don't know if I can get to wide receiver two because I still feel like Van Jefferson's going to get maybe more production than him and, and obviously cups there as well. Um, I, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a send on Beckham. I don't know if I'm a send quite to the level of like wide receiver too, but I definitely think that he's a week to week uh, fantasy starter though at the wide receiver position. I love to watch this Rams team just go all in on this season. So we will see if they can kind of um, get something going for the rest they of need the to year. Sit, they need to sit Stafford for a couple of weeks and get him out. Really? Really? I think so. Uh, 
Well, that is spicy. Uh, all right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Javante Williams. He's a guy that's like so popular on fantasy Twitter. He was out carried by Melvin Gordon this game, but also saw more yards and finished with a better fantasy day. Williams had 14 carries for 54 yards in a touch and uh, caught three passes for 57 yards. So a very strong game. Are we going full send on Williams as an RB2 rest of season or is trusting him while Gordon is their cap? Yeah, I would say, you know, RB2 flex option. But, I mean, he's, he's difficult to trust, kind of like if you really, really need him. Um, I would say he's hard to trust just because Melvin Gordon's there. And I think the thing that frustrates fantasy football players is that we all watch the games. Like, we know Javante Williams is better. But for some reason, like Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio decide to play Melvin Gordon and give him more carries. So, it's one of those situations that's, like, really annoying for, like, it's it's, it's annoying in real life, too. I would think if you're a Broncos fan, you'd rather see Javante get the carries. But we're kind of at the mercy of the coaching staff. So, I mean, I, I guess like we've kind of all been waiting all season for Javante just to become the guy. And I guess like it could theoretically happen any week, but then like the game will be played and it doesn't happen. So um, yeah, I mean, like, I think he's certainly like a viable slick starting option is like an RB two or a flex option. So maybe like somewhere in the middle, but uh, I don't know if he's going to reach kind of like the dizzying heights that I think a lot of us hoped for from him this season, uh, not his fault. I would say the fault of his coaching staff. Fair enough. Yeah, he is a guy that I'm very high on for next year. Uh, I think that'll definitely be his year once Gordon is out of this contract. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about is Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, this backfield is just messy. Like, I love that a few weeks ago we were arguing about is it Adrian Peterson or who do I want Jeremy McNichols out of this backfield? Who should I put all my waiver money on? And the answer was neither because Adrian Peterson is back sitting on his couch. And this guy Hilliard, who was just promoted for the practice squad last week has now had two strong weeks in a row. And he had 12 carries this week for 131 yards and a touchdown was behind Dante Foreman in carries. So are you going full send on Hilliard as a viable fantasy asset or you think trusting these Titans running backs as cap? I think if I had to trust one of them, it would be Foreman because I think he profiles most in like the Derrick Henry role. So I think he would be the guy I would trust the most. Um, I think it's interesting. So I'm not ready to like, I'll go somewhere in the middle here. I'm not trying to waffle, but um, when McNichols <laughs> comes back, like McNichols is going to get work as like the pass catching running back because he's the best pass catcher of these guys. But Hilliard's also been good at points with Cleveland in kind of this role as well. So uh, my, my sense is, is that McNichols coming back doesn't hurt Foreman as much as it hurts Hilliard. And I think, I think all three are going to see work. I think McNichols and Hilliard are going to split time and Foreman's role is going to say stay stable. So I think Hilliard's a hold right now. Kind of let's see what happens when McNichols is back and see what this offense looks like. Um, and Foreman for me is the, uh, is, is the number one option. And I think the hope is, you know, that Julio and AJ are both back, you know, for the like right more in the, more in the heart of the fantasy playoffs. And like, it may open things up potentially for these guys to have big games. Yeah, man, this Titans team is so, so banged up. Uh, I was just going to ask you as a follow-up, did you, how much exposure did you have to Derrick Henry? Uh, literally zero. And like, that's not, that's not necessarily because like I was like fading Derrick Henry, like it just worked out where I didn't get it. And I also like, I was taking other players like ahead of him, like early on in drafts when I, when I had the opportunity to, um, I do have, I had a ton of exposure to AJ Brown and AJ Brown's been an absolute disaster, obviously this season. So that's, I had no Julio. I had literally no Henry and I play in double digit leagues, but, uh, I had a ton of AJ Brown and Brown has absolutely sunk me. 
Uh, and really, it's really uh, Ryan Tannehill that sunk you, I think. Uh, very disappointing because he was QB6 last year in fantasy. All right. Uh, the final guy we're going to talk about is Rob Gronkowski. He has been solid since returning from injury, led the team in every receiving category this game, caught seven of 10 targets for 123 yards. Through the first three weeks of the season, he was tight end two and half PPR. That was before the injury. So now that he's pseudo healthy, um, are we back on the Gronk train as an elite tight end? one for fantasy or does his injury history kind of make that cap? Well, I think he's definitely like an elite tight end one just because of like the scarcity at the position. It's like, who else are you like, would you rather play Gronk or Kyle Pitts, right? You'd much rather play Gronk, which sucks <laughs> because like, I think Kyle Pitts is better. And like, I have, I have a lot more Kyle Pitts, but uh, yeah, I, I think Gronk is an elite tight end one because of the position. But I mean, like it, I also think when Antonio Brown comes back, I think that's probably bad news for Gronk and also like for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And just for, you know, the bucks, you know, especially early on in the season when everyone was healthy, like when we would do player props on you better, you bet trying to decide like, Hey, who's going to have a big game. It's you can make the case for any of these guys any week. Cause they're all awesome. And their quarterbacks, the goat. So, you know, it's, you know, so yes, like, yes, you trust Gronk. You start Gronk every week because who the hell else are you going to start? Like, like all right, Durham Smythe, like, who are you starting at tight end? No offense. You know, these, these guys are all hit or miss. Like they could have big games. You know, I think you feel more confident in Gronk, but I think once Antonio Brown comes back, like I think it limits Gronk's ceilings. Doesn't mean he can't have a similar game to what he had against the Colts, but um, I think it's tough to feel as good, like with, without Brown there as you do, like when Brown is actually in the lineup. Yeah, I think managers that were able to hold on to him through this whole injury uh, will definitely be rewarded uh, moving forward. All right, Nick, we have nine more rapid fire questions. Let's try to do it to get you out of here in time. Um, question 13 is name one player you just can't quit or you always find yourself making excuses for. So for me, that is Joe Mixon. And obviously this is Mixon year, but like previously it was it was just it was painful to uh, constantly make excuses for that guy. Oh, man, it's a great question. Um, I don't know. I play, I I'm in a lot of leagues. So I feel like this could potentially be like a lot of different players. I feel like I've got so much Tyler Lockett every single year. And like, I, it's not really his fault. I mean, there are some games where he's not healthy and then like Russ doesn't play. And then like Russ comes back and he can't hit the broad side of the barn. Uh, I, I would say, I, I, I guess it's kind of, I guess it's Tyler Lockett chase Edmonds to a degree as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've given up on the chase Edmonds trends. So I'll, I'll say Tyler Lockett. Fair enough. I do have a lot of Tyler Lockett, so <laughs> I feel your pain. Predict when the Giants will win their next Super Bowl. I don't know. Not soon. <laughs> like, give me a year, roughly. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, let, let's say that the Joe Judge uh, error, E-R-R-O-R, -E -R not E-R-A, lasts for another, <laughs> I don't know, let's say three years. Um, and then, like, feasibly, like, another, like, three years for another, like, like organization to build or like another like GM group to build a new team. I'll say um, at least, at least five years from now, at least. Fair enough. Uh, give us one Giants player you think is underrated for fantasy. Um, can we really say like, can we say Tony's underrated or is that like, I guess you could say Tony's underrated. I mean, I feel like he's out there in a lot of leagues now, especially with the injury. Yeah, I would say I would actually I think that's a good point, actually, because like, like, then like he flashes and then he gets hurt and then he doesn't play and he obviously didn't play yesterday. Um, Tony is obviously the easy one when Tony's out. Um, Darius Slayton actually gets tons of work. Um, so I, I I would never want to start Slayton, but I actually feel like like if Shepard's out and Tony's out, like Slayton's going to get deep shots down the field. Can he catch the ball? So I would say Tony and Slayton would be my two choices. Fair enough. Do you have any thoughts on Evan Ingram? Do you think he's ever going to be fantasy viable? Not for the Giants. <laughs> Okay. Maybe, fair on, enough. maybe, maybe on his next team. Fair enough. Um, speaking of underrated players, was Joe Flacco ever elite? Yes or no? 
Yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that he's like first ballot hall of famer, but I mean, he outplayed Tom Brady in back-to-back AFC championship games and like was the best player in, in the playoffs the year that the Ravens won a Super Bowl. So yeah. Uh, yeah. People, people are just, people just like to hate just to hate. I mean, you didn't throw 50 touchdowns in the regular season. Shut up. Like, yeah. You know what Elioti did? He, he beat Brady in one AFC championship game in Foxborough. And then the previous year they should have beaten him if not for stupid kicker and Lee Evans dropping a pass in the end zone. So yeah, Flacco absolutely was. I'm not even a Ravens fan i don't care i'm just like i watch the games he was pretty awesome next up here on the fantasy flex is our elite entry segment so today i'm going to look at four nfl week 13 quarterback plays on prize fix the first play i like is mac jones under 215 and a half passing yards on the road in buffalo there was no universe that i was not going to throw a mac jones under into this one and it's honestly a good thing that we took last week off because our mac jones under is streak would have been broken. We are currently on a five game streak of hitting these. And I like this one to hit as well. Jones is coming off of his best game to date uh, in which he completed 23 of 32 attempts for 310 yards and a pair of touchdowns. That said, I expect him to come back down to earth against Buffalo, whose pass defense is top notch and has allowed just 178.5 passing yards per game. The second fewest in the NFL behind Carolina. The Bills have only allowed two passers all year to crest the 220-yard mark, and those were Patrick Mahomes and Mike White. What an odd duo, by the way. Uh, but the Patriots defense has also been super solid, so I just expect this game to be run-heavy and low-scoring. The next play that I like is Matt Stafford, over 270 and a half passing yards at home versus the Jaguars. This is... A huge number, though it seems a little low against the Jaguars. There is a chance, though, that people that set this number think that this game just gets out of hand and Stafford doesn't have to pass too much. Still, he definitely bounced back after a bad couple of weeks and had 302 passing yards, three touchdowns and one interception against Green Bay. Matt Ryan obviously struggled against this team last week, but also that's Matt Ryan. And he has no weapons that are really healthy. You know, Calvin Redley, nothing. So that's that's a major deal. Stafford obviously has Cooper Cup, and now he has Odell Beckham Jr., who looked fantastic last game. He's also tossing the ball a lot to Van Jefferson, who's also looked really good. So I really like Stafford to hit the over here. Another play that I like is Carson Wentz over 220 and a half passing yards on the road in Houston. He definitely bounced back after a couple of weird games and threw for 306 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions against the Bucks. He gets another positive matchup against the Texans. So I'm not sure why this number is so low. He would have crested the over in eight of 12 games this year was held to just 223 passing yards in week six in these two teams first meeting of the season. But that said, I think this Colts team has gotten better overall. I know a lot of that is Jonathan Taylor, but Carson Wentz has looked pretty strong. So I am going to say that he goes over this in Houston. The final play that I like is a Lamar Jackson over 220.5 passing yards on the road in Pittsburgh. I think this is a huge overreaction to Sunday night's stinker on national television in which Jackson threw for 165 yards, one touchdown, four interceptions, which is obviously his worst game of the season. He would have only missed the over on this number once prior to this week, though, and is averaging 272 passing yards per game. Pittsburgh has been kind of stingy against the past, though they have allowed 234.5 passing yards per game this year. So I think the odds are that Jackson smashes the over. All right, that is our elite entry today, going with Mac Jones under 215 and a half passing yards on the road in Buffalo. 
Matt Stafford over 270 and a half passing yards at home versus the Jaguars. Carson Wentz over 220 and a half passing yards on the road in Houston and Lamar Jackson over 220 and a half passing yards on the road in Pittsburgh. As a reminder, you can mix and match fantasy points and player props to make your lineups super spicy. Also, prize picks markets move, so you will want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers and make your picks as soon as possible. If you have not created a prize picks account yet, please check out the, le- the link in our episode description because prize picks has a special offer for fantasy flex listeners. They will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizefix.com and use promo code ACTION10. All right, let us just keep it moving here on 21 Questions with Nick Costos. Looking forward to 2022, because maybe this may not be the Giants' year. Uh, What do the G-men need to address during this year's draft? Uh, Well, they need to fire everybody. So it's almost like I don't even care, like, what else happens. Like, unless, like, I want Joe Judge out. looks like Gettleman's going to be out. And then, like, we can kind of go from there. Like, that's what I don't even care. Like, I guess, like, if we're actually going to talk, like, the offensive line still sucks somehow like four years into this trying to fix it. So they definitely need offensive linemen. I actually think like the roster is not terrible. Um, like I think that they've got pieces. They got to get a pass rusher and they, yeah, they need up on the offensive line and the defensive line. Um, I guess you could maybe roll with Daniel Jones for like another year, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like the team is a disaster. Like they suck. Um, they have the pass rush isn't there and they can't protect the quarterback. You can't win. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not trying to be negative, but I just think they have lots of issues. I understand. Yeah. Offensive line definitely feels like a major hole for them. That's just obviously been a pain point for so, so long. So hopefully they can get that right at some point. Um, who should managers waiver top waiver ad be this week? Oh man, maybe Hilliard, honestly, maybe like roll the dice on Dontrell Hilliard to see if he can kind of give you, give you that kind of production uh, moving forward. I think. Yeah. He's definitely a guy that I think a lot of people will be targeting. Um, give me one player. Do you think is prime? Well, also, 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 oh, also, I kind of like, I, I don't know if I'm um, just, cause I was just looking at like the scores um, with Michael Carter out for a couple more weeks. Like I really like Ty Johnson and I don't know like how many leagues Ty Johnson's available in, but I, I kind of think he's, yeah, I, I think he's better than Tevin Coleman. So, I mean, and I don't think any competitive league I'm in Ty Johnson's out there on the waiver wire. So like, if you're out there in a league and Ty Johnson's out there, like I would, I would definitely pick him up. Fair enough. Um, okay. So give me one player you think is primed for a big fantasy season next year. Oh, I mean, there are so many, there are like a lot of really good options. Um, primed for a big season next year. I, you know, I think, um, well, like define big, like, are we talking like, like a gigantic season, like a monster season? Um, Either like someone that's going to take a, like someone that will probably take a big step forward. I uh, maybe like a rookie that's going to take a, have a year two breakout or something like that, or Cordero, like a Cordero Patterson, if you could predict something like that. Yeah. I mean, Cordero Patterson such like a unique case, obviously. <laughs> um, I, I love Jalen Waddle. Um, I think he is such a stud. I, we'll see kind of how he finishes the season. Had a great game yesterday against the Panthers, obviously. I wonder like what round he's going to get drafted in next year. I, I almost feel like he should be like, like a third round pick next year, potentially. Like, I think that like the talent is tantalizing. He's so, I think he's awesome. So I would, I would say Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I, I could definitely see him going in that third to fifth round where there are a lot of receivers that usually probably closer to the fifth round to be fair, but yeah, but I, but I do think that he could be a monster next year. Elijah, Elijah Moore also, if he can show that he has a rapport with yes. Zach Wilson, I think could be great. Elijah Moore is someone that I am super, super high on. All right. Uh, how many attempts would it take you to make an extra point? Um, I was really good at soccer. So, I mean, how many mm-hmm. practice attempts do I get? 
Uh, I, just that ca- I think that that counts. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. 10. <laughs> that's fair. That's that's impressive. I could not make it. You could give me one million dollars to make one. And I'm sure that I couldn't. <laughs> oh, you can make uh, it. You, you could you could you could make it. I mean, an extra point. Well, actually, well, it's well, the extra point now, it's not an 18 yard. It's a 30 yarder, right? 30 plus yarder. Yeah, yeah, maybe more than 10, maybe maybe like 25, I would say. Fair enough. I did ask a bunch of people outside of the home run derby how many pitches it would take them to hit a juiced ball out of course field batting practice pitches. And the range of answers was hilarious. Some Boston. Yeah guy just said like two I you know one practice and I'm knocking it out of the park and I'm like good for you all right finally if you have one cardinal rule to tell someone just getting into fantasy this year what would it be oh that's a great question um one cardinal rule um yeah like stay on your p's and q's like I mean like it it actually is kind of like I, I don't know. Like I, for me, it's a lot of fun. So like I kind of embrace kind of like the grind of fantasy football, but I think like an, a way to look at it is like, you know, I do a couple like bigger money leagues and I'm not saying like, these are like massive, like, like, like $5,000 buy-ins, but leagues where like you could win like a nice amount of money. And in those leagues, I'm like the one person that like really pays attention. Like you look at the waiver wire in some of these leagues that I'm in where people pay a lot of money to be in. Like you wouldn't believe the names that are out there. Like you actually wouldn't. Um, look at it as an opportunity to make money. Like, and it's around the holidays too, where like you win in like January and you get paid and like it pays for like, this has happened the last two years where I've had fantasy leagues literally pay for like all the Christmas gifts that I bought people. Like it's, it's awesome. Incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, like I, I would say seek out like people like, like Samantha, seek out people that know what they're doing and like follow that advice and like actually put in waiver claims and pay attention and make sure that, make sure that, that names that are on the waiver wire, like if, if they shouldn't be there, pick them up on your team. Like if you put that, that level of effort in and like, if you're in a really competitive league, like I'm in leagues for the most part where everybody does that. And it makes it a lot of fun, obviously, because like you're competing against people that kind of feel the same way you do and kind of have the same level of care. But if like you get into a league and like, there are people that don't care as much as you do, like you at the very least, you will get into the playoffs, like a hundred percent. You may not win because it's luck based sometimes, but you will get into the postseason. So I would say, you know, place your waiver claims. Stay on top of injury reports. Just pay attention. And you don't even, this is the great thing about like fantasy football and like sports betting also, where we're now in a time where you don't even have to do the work. People like Samantha do it for you. People like me do it for you. Like find people that you trust and respect and, and let them do it for you. Um, and, and put, and put the time and the effort in because it will pay dividends. Cause I'll tell you, I'm in leagues with people that don't pay attention and I dominate those leagues because I do. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. The investment is so worth it, because especially because with the, the wave of legal betting, being into fantasy lends itself so much to player props and things like yep. that. So if you're in tune to all these things, if you know these things, you can also, you know, throw some props in as well every week and definitely make a pretty penny. All right. That will do it for this round of 21 questions with our esteemed guest, Nick Costos. Nick, I cannot thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time. Please tell everyone where they can find you during this NFL season. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Um, And obviously I've been, I've been a fan of yours watching you come up through the industry. So congratulations to you on your success and wishing you much more and health and happiness in the future. Uh, Everyone can check me out on Twitter at the Costos, T-H-E-K-O-S-T-O-S. And my show is You Better You Bet weekdays, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern um, in what I call the hashtag plethora 
plethora of places, YouTube, Twitch, odyssey.com, odyssey app, um, odyssey stations nationwide, which is cool. It's part of our BetQL network. Um, and then I'm on Sunday mornings as well, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern, um, countdown to kickoff nationally. And also on WFAN 660 a.m. in New York, 101.9 FM um, in the tri-state area, not just New York, 8.30 to 9 a.m. Eastern on Sunday mornings, running through every single game, side, total, and player props. And uh, yeah, you can always hit me up on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah. Go follow Nick for all the winners and uh, listen to his shows. As a reminder, Sean Kerner and Chris Raybon are here on the Fantasy Flex every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, giving you guys all the DFS, waiver wire, and rankings info to help you dominate your fantasy leagues. I will be back this Thursday and every Thursday from now on with my mailbag episodes. Speaking of which, you should email any mailbag questions to mailbagactionnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen, and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by Prize Picks. Peace out, y'all.